Sita turned her loaded eyes on him and said, Do you remember the forest near Chitrakota, where we used to wander hand in hand? Do you remember sages and their wives and the peace of their hermitages? I have a great desire to go and visit them once again and eat the wild fruits and roots and drink the pure waters of the Ganga and perhaps even stay there for a day or two. Rama looked adoringly at his beloved wife. There was nothing he could deny her. If anything, his love for her had increased with the passing years. He had never felt the desire to take another consort as the rest of the kings used to do. In fact, the very idea was abhorrent to him. Sita was the most charming woman he had ever known, and he desired none other. Holding her hands in his, he looked deep into her eyes and said, O Vaidehi, my beloved wife, you shall certainly go there if that is what you wish. In fact, I will send you there tomorrow. Having given his promise to the princess of Mithila, Rama left her and went to the outer courtyard to talk with his friends. In the course of their light banter, he turned to his friend Badra and asked, Tell me, Badra, what do the people say about me and Sita and my brothers? Kings are always a bust of criticism for the common folk. Badra folded his arms and said, Sire, people speak only good about you. Sometimes they discuss the events of past years when you achieve the impossible by killing the demon king Ravana and rescuing the princess of Videha. Your exploits are recounted with great enthusiasm by everyone. What else do they say, Badra? Tell me all. Why do you avert your face? Is there something which you feel should not be reported to me? Have no fear. I want to know the good and as well as the bad. No king can afford to ignore what people say of him. So tell me. In a faltering low tone, Badra said, They also remarked that though your action in having killed the Rakshasa is to be applauded, your conduct with regard to your wife is shameful. How could the king have accepted a woman who had been kept on Ravana's lap when had lived in his palace for so many months? How can the queen forget the indignities which she must have suffered? We will have to put up with similar insults. Our wives will be able to go as they please and we will be forced to condone them. As the king, so the subjects. This is what the people say in their ignorance. Rama's whole face changed when he heard this slanderous accusation against him and his immaculate wife. He could not speak a word. His friends tried to comfort him and said, Your Majesty, it is the nature of common people to speak ill of the nobility. A king need not pay heed to such false accusations. Rama hardly heard what they were saying. Taking leave of them in his usual courteous manner, he went to the garden and sat immersed in thought. He decided that it was his duty to, to check on this matter before coming to a decision. That evening he wore the clothes of an ordinary citizen of Ayodhya and went incognito on a tour of the city. As luck would have it, as he passed the house of a washerman in one of the small streets of the city, he heard the sound of raised voices and went close to the door of the house and stood outside listening. The husband was berating his wife. I have heard reports of your indecent behavior. You have been seen talking to the nobleman who comes for a walk down the street. You may go back to your own home. I will not keep you here any longer. I belong to a respectable family and will not keep a loose woman as my wife. You are free to go where you please. The woman pleaded that she was totally innocent and had only answered some questions the man had put to her. 
The washerman replied sternly, Do you think I'm Rama to tolerate such behavior? He's a king and can do as he pleases. But as for me, I will never keep a woman who has been seen with another man. Rama stood riveted to the spot for a few seconds. He felt like a tree which had been struck by lightning. The tender buds and leaves of hope that had sprouted in his heart after their return from Lanka were scorched and the naked, charred and blackened branches raised their arms in mute appeal to the heavens. He felt as if his whole body was on fire. All the fresh green leaves had fallen off and only the stark, bare branches remained. He managed somehow to stagger back to the palace and going to a private chamber, he requested his brothers to come to him at once. They came immediately and were surprised to see Rama's demeanor. He stood with his back to the door, looking out on the wintry garden. His face was pale and his eyes had a glazed look as he turned to face his brothers. His hands trembled slightly. Lakshmana knelt before him and said, Brother, what is it? Tell me. Where is the enemy? You know that you have but to command and I shall obey. Dharma spoke in a voice which was drained of all emotion. Do you know what the citizens are saying about me and Sita? All of them hung their heads and Dharma continued. I see that all of you know and have hidden the truth from me all these years. O Lakshmana, you are witness to the fact that I refused to take her back after the war until her purity was proved in the ordeal by fire. Yet these people now talk as if I have done a heinous crime. My heart is breaking and I am drowning in sorrow, yet my duty as a king is clear before me. The first duty of a king is to his subjects and not to himself. Sita is dearer to me than life itself, but I have no choice but to abandon her for the sake of my subjects. Lakshmana, take her away in the chariot with Sumantra and leave her on the other side of the Ganga, near the Tamasa River where we stayed a long time ago. Just this morning she requested me to take her there. Let her have her wish. She will suspect nothing. Lakshmana jumped to his feet and said, Rama, you cannot do this to her. She's burnished gold, purified in fire. Please do not ask me to do this. I will do anything else you ask, but not this. Don't you know that she's carrying your child in her womb? How can you bear to do this? Can you not wait till the child is born? His face carved out of stone. Rama said in a stern voice, After the child is born, you will say, Let her stay while she suckles the infant. And then you will say, Let her stay till he is five years old. And thus it will go on and on. And eventually Rama would have betrayed his country for the sake of his own felicity. He continued in a hard, loud voice, I do not want to hear another word from any of you. I want none of your advice. I am your king, and I demand only implicit obedience. For a few stunned moments, there was absolute silence, except for Rama's heavy breathing due to his effort to suppress an emotion which threatened to overpower him. At last, ashen in hue and mask-like face, he said, Go, Lakshmana, leave her in a secluded spot on the ba banks of the Tamasa River, near the holy Ganga, close to some of the hermitages, and return immediately. Do not wait to talk to her. Do not try to explain anything. Let her think the worst of me, or else she will die of a broken heart. Do not look at me so accusingly. Anyone who objects to my decision is my bitter enemy.
take her away this very instant to Lakshmana. If I see her even once, I am doomed. I will be unable to carry out my own command. If I see her fawn-like gaze fixed on me with a beseeching look, I will be lost and not all the slander in the world will enable me to let her go. So go now, go before my heart fails me, before emotion weakens my adamantine resolve. Why do you hesitate? It is I, the king of the country, who is commanding you. His brothers could not speak a word. Lakshmana cursed his luck for having been chosen to carry out this terrible command. His eyes brimming with tears, Rama stumbled out of the room and went to an enclosed spot in the garden where he would not be able to see Sita. He spent the night in the garden keeping a lonely vigil with the stars. If he went to his room and took his beloved in his arms, he knew that he would never be able to let her go. Who knew what bitter thoughts passed through his mind? But he was firm in his resolve. Dharma was his god, and to Dharma he was prepared to sacrifice his beloved queen and his unborn child. Sita slept alone that night. She wondered at her lord's absence, but then she thought it must be because she was held up with some official matters. Like a child, she was excited at the thought of the treat in store for her on the morrow. Some of the happiest moments of her life had been spent in the forest with her loving husband, and she was eagerly looking forward to spending at least another night in the hermitage with the loving wives of the sages. She had already tied up a small bundle of gifts for the Ashramites and their wives, and she was ready to go when Lakshmana arrived. Without looking at her, he said in a voice which was totally drained of emotions, The king, your husband, has commanded me to fulfill your desire to visit the Ganga and the hermitages of the sage. Are you ready to leave? Sita was delighted and happily accompanied him to the waiting chariot. It was a grim twosome which set out in the pearly mist of the morn. Neither Sumantra nor Lakshmana could speak a word or even look at her. Sita alone was full of cheer. She turned round for a last look at the sleeping town, not realizing that it was indeed her last look. Suddenly her heart had misgivings. Everywhere she saw ill omens. Her right side and eye were twitching, and she felt weak all of a sudden. In an agitated voice she said, O son of Sumitra, tell me is all well with your brother? I have not seen him this morning. Where was he in the night? I fear something inauspicious has happened. In a choking voice, Lakshmana said, The king, your husband, is quite well. He gave orders that you should have an undisturbed night since you are to undertake a strenuous journey in the morning. He told me to wish you well. More than that, he could not say. By afternoon, they reached the banks of the river Gomati and camped at one of the ashrams. Next morning, they went forward in the chariot and reached the banks of the holy river. Here, Lakshmana could contain himself no longer and broke down and wept like a child. Why are you crying, Lakshmana, Sita? You are making me depressed. I have been longing to come here, and now that you have brought me here, you make me sad by your weeping. Is it because you have been parted from Rama for two days? Then what about me? How much should I cry? I cannot endure life without him. Come, let us hurry and go to the ashramas and distribute our gifts, and then we will return. I too am beginning to feel uneasy. I fear something is wrong with my lord. Wiping his eyes, Lakshmana brought a boat and escorted Sita to the opposite bank. He then fell at her feet and sobbed his heart out. Sita was really disturbed at the sight. Tell me, 
Lechmana, what is the matter? Has something happened to my dear husband? Why didn't he come? I was hoping he would come with me. Till the end, her one thought was for him, who was her all. She never dreamt that the misfortunes with the omens foretold were coming to her. Eyes full of tears, Lakshmana looked pleadingly at her. My noble queen, forgive me for what I have to do. Rama has entrusted me with the ignoble task of abandoning you here. Better for me to have died rather than carry out this command of his. So saying, he prostrated himself before her. Sita bent down and gently lifted him up. What is it, Lakshmana? What is the reason for my husband's sudden decision? She could not believe that she was hearing rightly. Rumors are afloat everywhere, my lady, about you and about him. I cannot tell you all. He forbade me to tell you anything. All I can say is that his heart broke when he heard the vile accusations against you. But he is a king. He is Dharma incarnate. The king's duty is always to safeguard the interests of his subjects. Forgive him and forgive me also, O gracious queen of Ayodhya. I can say no more. Night is fast approaching. How can I bear to leave you here all alone with none to protect you? Rama never left you even for a moment without asking me to guard you. The only time we both left you was when the wicked king of the demons came and abducted you. Now who is there to look after you? May your mother the earth give you all protection. May the sky be your canopy. May this holy river look after all your wants. My lady, remember you are carrying the seed of the Kshvaku lion in your womb. It is your duty to safeguard it at all times. Lakshmana was frightened that in her agony Sita might do some harm to herself. Sita looked like a frightened deer listening to Lakshmana's words and then said in a bewildered tone, What sin have I committed that for no reason of mine my husband should repudiate me twice? Surely I was born for sorrow. Grief alone seems to be my constant companion. Patiently I have to look at his forlorn face. Leaving my all, I followed my husband to the forest inhabited by wild animals and jaksasas. No woman would have done as I did, yet now he has abandoned me. Was it my fault that the rakshasa abducted me? When the sages asked me what crime I have committed that my husband should abandon me, what should I tell him, O Lakshmana? What wrong have I done? I cannot even take the easy path of ending my life in this holy river, for I will be guilty of breaking the noble line of the Ikshvaku race. Lakshmana, do not grieve. Leave me here and return to the king, my husband, and tell him that his wife wishes him well. Her husband is a woman's god, and I have always considered him as such. May he find eternal fame by following the dharma of a king. More important than my suffering is the fact that his honor should remain intact. Never will Sita be guilty of bringing dishonor to Rama. Farewell, Lakshmana. You have been more than a brother to me. I have deep regard for you. I hold nothing against you. The shades of night are falling and you must go fast, lest my lord becomes agitated. Lakshmana fell at her feet once more. He could not speak a word. Slowly he backed his way to the boat and was ferried to the other shore. He turned back to look at her once again and saw her lying on the ground, on the bosom of her mother, weeping as if her heart would break. Sita looked up and saw the chariot receding in the distance. The plaintive cry of the peacock calling, calling to its mate jarred on her delicate nerves. 
The Ganga flowed smoothly on, as if to comfort her in her agony. She gazed, mesmerized by the glistening water, and wondered what it would feel like to have them close over her head like a balm. But just then she felt the life within her move, and she knew that she could not take the easy way out. Thus ends the first canto, called Sita Abandoned, of the Uttarakanda in the glorious Ramayana of the sage Valmigi. Hari Om, Tatsat. Vasishta says, The enlightened man lives a non-volitional life. He engages himself spontaneously in appropriate action. He lives for the sake of others with heart full of compassion for all beings. From the Yoga Vasishtas.